everybody. Hey, Eddie. Hey. Oh, hey there, Josie. Um, how are you doing? Oh, Eddie, I'm feeling great this morning. I'm really excited that we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit again. Yeah, me I'm too. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Um, but I have one question. Yeah? Uh, where's Kelly Mae? Well, she said she'd be here. Huh? Oh, there she is. Oh. Hey, hey y'all. Hey, Eddie. Hey, Josie. Sorry I'm late. Hey, um, Callie Mae. Hey. Uh, Callie Mae? Yeah. Yeah. You looking kind of rough. What happened this week? Nothing. I'm feeling absolutely fine. I'm fine as a frog hair. Yep. Oh, oh no. Um, can you explain something to me, please? Here it comes. Um, why do you have a bandage on? And why do you have your arm in a sling? Yep. Well, you said that today we're going to talk about patience. Uh-huh. So I thought I'd dress up for it. Oh, brother. Yep. Uh. Oh, Callie Mae. It's not that type of patience. Yeah. What? Yeah. Josie's right, Callie Mae. When the Bible talks about patience, it doesn't mean like a hospital patient. Oh, it's a no. different kind of patience. Oh, here I go again. Repaint, repent, patience. <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling. Help me out, Eddie and Josie. Oh, brother. Uh, we can tell that you're struggling. But, you know, it doesn't matter that you didn't understand again, Callie Mae. You know, that's why we're here, is to learn. You know, I think it might help if you could explain what patience means, Eddie. Yeah. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Yes, that's right, Josie. So, is patience like when you're waiting for something? Hmm. Yep, that's kind of like that, Callie Mae. But it means even more than that. You know, it really means putting up with something for a time, even if it needs to be fixed. Uh, like what? Well, imagine you have a car that makes a rattling noise when you drive. I can't drive, Eddie! <sighs> no, but just imagine. Why might you not want to get rid of this car? Because you love that car? Because you like rattling noises? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow. I understand. I was thinking more along the lines of what Josie said. If you really love that card, you'd want to keep it. And what you try to do is fix it so it doesn't make that rattling noise anymore. And God's patience is like that? Of course it is. God can see the sin of this world, and he knows it needs to come to him to be fixed. But God is patient, putting up with the world's sin for a time, longing for people to see that they need to come to him for forgiveness to be fixed, as it were. Will he wait forever? Uh, The Bible says no, Callie Mae. There are lots of stories and events in the Bible that shows God is very patient with people, but there comes a time when he steps in and says, enough is enough. So, 
Are we supposed to be patient too? Yeah. Well, of course we are. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be patient, to not give up on people, even if they keep ignoring God and keep going their own way. And we do this because we love them, and we know that God loves them, and He really wants them to come to Him to know Him. You know, that really helps me understand patience. Thank you, Eddie. Me too, Eddie. Uh huh. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that might help us remember? Yeah. Well, let me think here. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Great. On one occasion, God's people had turned away from Him. God had every right to punish them, but instead, He showed how patient and how merciful He is. He said in First Chronicles seven. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. That's amazing, Eddie. God is so so patient with us, isn't he, Josie? He sure is. And with his help, we can show that same patience with others. Thanks for that, Eddie. Oh, you're welcome. I guess I better go put all these bandages back up. Do you yeah, need you some need help? That. I need a lot of help, Josie. I'll try to be patient with you while we're doing it. All right, let's That's go. That's a good idea. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. See you later. All right, we learned more about the fruit of the Spirit today. In a few weeks, we'll be talking about patience. And so we, we may have to recall to mind some of what we've heard today. Our children may be dismissed to Children's Church this morning. And we have several who are going out. All of our children, ages. Huh? Two through fifth grade are welcome to attend Children's Church. Welcome to be. It's a, it's a big week for us. Some of you think, boy, this is the strangest church I've ever been in. Got all these palm trees and, and swimming pools and waterfalls and all kinds of things going on. But this is because tomorrow evening we began vacation Bible school in our church. And we have already 100, as of last night, 100 children whose parents have registered them for vacation Bible school. That's going to make it a big one. True? A hundred children. We have 65 plus workers and volunteers who are going to be ministering here. So that explains some of what you see happening here today. The other part, the tables and the chairs, there is a family reunion with a hundred plus people we're expecting here um, by one o'clock. So we went ahead and set up for that. So that kind of explains why things look a little different today. We're glad you're here. Sometimes different is good. And it's good to see you. God bless you for being here. We have some folks who haven't been in a while. We want to say thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. May the Lord bless you today. But we do have one visitor that I want to recognize. Well, he's not a visitor. He's actually from here. But Josh, would you stand for us? Josh and his family are here. It, it was just, what, uh, six weeks ago maybe or so, you were in Afghanistan, Iraq. Iraq, serving our country, putting his life on the line for us. How do we feel about that today? Let's just say thank you to Josh. Amen. 
Amen. Wonderful. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. We do appreciate that. We do appreciate that so much. Thank you for being with us today on some off time, you and your lovely wife. And is it children or child? Children now. It's hard for me to keep up, especially when you in Iraq, man. I can't keep <laughs> But uh, it's just a joy to have you all with us and, and uh, um, all the rest of the family. And what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. This morning we're talking about something from the Word of God as we, you might take your bulletin if you would and pull from it the um, insert that we placed there for you today. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit now for several weeks and we're going through this list, um, taking one of the nine things that are listed as being part of the fruit of the Spirit. I think I'll take the time just to read that. We haven't read it maybe uh, each week, so we'll do that today. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are the things, according to the Bible, that the Spirit of God desires to produce in us if we're Christians. You see, the Bible says if we're born again that the Spirit of God abides in us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But the Bible also teaches us that if a man is in Christ, the Spirit abides in him. And if the Spirit is not there, he's not of Christ. And so the Spirit indwells our lives when we come to Him, and then according to Scripture, the Spirit of God desires to produce in us certain fruit. Uh, I've used so many times the illustration of an apple tree. I'm not the brightest botanist on the block, so it's hard for me to know what a tree is unless there's fruit on it. But if there's peaches on the tree, I know what kind of tree it is. If there's apples on the tree, I know what kind of tree it is. And if there is the fruit of the Spirit obviously being seen in a person's life, we know what kind of person they are, don't we? We know that they're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Spirit of God is producing those things in the life of that individual. Those things can't be produced by our help, by our effort, by our uh, you know, you can strain all you want to. You ever picked up something heavy and you had to strain to do it? You can't strain to produce spiritual fruit. You can't strain to do these things, to love, joy, peace, and all that. These are things that the Spirit of God has to work in us to produce for us to be consistent and manifest all these things in our lives. The first thing we talked about, actually for three different times, we talked about love. Love is not something that the... Uh, according to culture, the way they define it, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Because the way the culture define love is like this. You you fall into love. We've all heard that phrase many times. Well, I just fell into love. Well, you you know what? If you fall into love, you can just as easily fall out of love. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Love requires commitment. Love requires a decision. You have to make a decision that you're going to obey your marriage vows, you're going to keep your vows, you're going to be committed, because I'll promise you there will be times when you don't feel so romantic. 
You may have fallen into love, but you're going to feel like sometimes you may have fallen into something else because of the way things go sometimes. And you have to have a made up mind that you're going to pursue this, work through this, be committed to this, because that's what you said I do to one day. Amen. And so we, we stay true to that commitment. We are, uh, the, the kind of love that the Lord calls us to show to others is not when you're feeling good and when things are going right, but we love no matter what. You know why? Because God loved you no matter what. The Bible says that God so loved the world, uh, the sinners. That was all of us, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. So he didn't wait for us to get saved and come to him before he loved us. He loved us when we were sinners. However, when we come to him, then his love is shed abroad in our hearts and we're supposed to love other people the same way that God loves us. Love your, love one another, the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives, the Bible says. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for another, the Bible says. And then finally, the Bible says, even love your enemies. It takes God to love your enemies. Somebody mistreats you, lies on you, uh, somehow does something that just terribly crushes you emotionally. You still have the, the ability through the Holy Spirit of God in your life to love that person according to what Jesus said. And we know that's true. It may not be the easiest thing to do, but because you've made up your mind, you're going to be a loving person, a forgiving person. You can forgive people through the Holy Spirit that works in you, love. And then we talked about joy last week. Now, joy is not contingent upon our circumstances because anybody can be happy and joyful when things are going well. If your football team's having a good season, you're joyful. But you know the kind of joy we're talking about here that that the Spirit of God produces in our life means even if you're having a losing season, you can still be joyful. If things aren't going right in your life, you can still have joy in your life because it's something that the Spirit of God produces. And today, right along with that, we're going to be talking about peace today. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. God wants to produce peace in your life. And that's something, again, we kind of have it messed up. We think, well, as long as things are going well, I'm going to have peace in my life. But when things go wrong, my my peace evaporates. Listen, this, this peace we're talking about here doesn't evaporate. It's with you. It stay, whatever happens in your life, the peace of God is there because it's a supernatural thing that God works in and through you to produce. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what the economy does, what your stocks are doing and what's happening on the job, you can have joy and peace in your life because you're surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. In case you all don't know, we are a Bible-believing church here. So if the Bible teaches it, we believe it. And we don't need to adjust the Word of God to fit our circumstances. We need to start living like we believe the Word of God and conform to what the Bible says should be in our lives. Love and joy and today, peace. So on this little outline I've given you there, just a few things I'd like to to set up as we conclude with Philippians chapter 5. Number one. There is in the world today an obvious absence of peace. Would you agree? There's an absence of peace. Uh, by and large, people are miserable. 
They're miserable on their job. They're miserable in their marriage. They're miserable with life. Uh, suicide rates are as high as they've ever been. Even, I, I heard this past week, among preteens. That's crazy. There's such hopelessness and and such uh, pressure and 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 the spirit of this of the world and the enemy is so captivating people's hearts. They see no reason to live, no reason to continue, no peace is there. May I share with you? You could have a million dollars in the bank and be miserable. Most of us think if we, you'd win the lottery, you'd be happy and have peace. You may be more miserable than you've ever been in your life if you had a million dollars. Because it's not what you have out there, it's what you have in your heart that we're talking about today that really can satisfy your soul and give you peace in your heart. There is an obvious lack of peace. This uh, this is written here so that you can see it. You may have seen it on a billboard. I've seen it several times. No God, no peace. No God... No peace. You have to look at the spelling there to understand that. If you have God in your life, the Bible declares you can have peace in your life. But if you don't have God in your life, then you're not going to find the peace that the Bible talks about. It's going to evade you. There's an empty place in your life. This whole thing began way, way back in the Garden of Eden many years ago as God created man and woman and everything was good and perfect in the sight of God. And Adam and Eve had peace until they messed things up, were separated from God. And from that point on, there has not been peace on earth. There's been fighting and contention the inability to get along with another, one another, personal struggles, uh, a total lack of peace. Read through the Bible and all the wars and the, the disagreements and the fighting and even what we see today. The only place we're going to, the only way we're going to be able to experience peace in our lives is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an obvious absence of peace in our world today. There is a, there is a vacuum. You know, people are miserable. And they, they, they're trying to satisfy this longing in their soul in so many different ways. Sometimes by what they buy in a bottle. Sometimes by what they pump into their veins. All kinds of ways that people are looking to try to satisfy this, this empty feeling, this vacuum inside. All they need is God. Amen. They need, they need peace with God. And the Lord then gives you love and joy and peace and begins to produce this in your life. And those of you who have experienced the Lord and living for Him know this is true. I gave the illustration last week about the, the lady I had uh, seen in a funeral service who lost her husband of some 60 years. And she was sitting on the front row of the church and the coffin was up front with her husband lying there. And the funeral service was taking place and the choir began to sing about God and how great God was. And she got so happy and so full of the Lord. She just stood up in the funeral service and raised her hands and began to praise and thank God for his goodness and for who he was. And I'm going to tell you, that's peace. When, when you can feel the presence of the Lord so strongly at a time like that and God is there, that's peace. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Number two, God's response to this dilemma, this absence of peace in the world, generally speaking. In Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7, uh, Isaiah gives a prophecy and for the sake of time, I will just read the, the, um, what's been extracted here. 
The Bible says uh, that there's going to be one coming, the Prince of Peace. So, who's that talking about? Can somebody tell me? It's talking about Jesus. For unto us a son is born, for into, uh, and, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Scripture says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I don't know if you have thought through that phrase or not, but think about that. Uh, it, it just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing as time goes on. And that is, that's exactly what's happened in the world today. As a matter of fact, the next section, number three, Jesus desires that we be peacemakers can only be accomplished by the fact that he comes and lives in our hearts and in our lives. When Jesus was born, what was it that the angel said? Anybody remember? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Absolutely. He, can, he is, he's the prince of peace. He's the one who comes to bring peace. We can only have peace through Jesus Christ. It'll never work. Listen, you can talk about world peace all you want to. It'll never happen until Jesus reigns as prince of peace over this, over this world that we live in. Only then will there really be peace because it's going to come as we are in the kingdom of God and he's being the one who guides and directs and his influence is seen in the lives of everyone. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Christians are supposed to be peacemakers. What's the opposite of peacemaker? Thank you. Troublemakers. Christians are not supposed to be troublemakers. Amen. We're supposed to be known as peacemakers to do everything that can possibly be done to get along with one another. We have peace in our hearts. We love one another. We don't fight and fuss and bicker and carry on. That's not the way of the Lord. The way the Lord has us to respond is in love and joy and peace and all the rest of the things which we'll get to later. Because those who are peacemakers, they shall be called what? Son your sheep, sons of God. We are recognized as children of God by the fact that we have peace in our life. We're to be peace-loving, peaceful, peace-appreciating people. That's who we are as Christians. Number four, God's will for us is peace. The Bible says it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. He wants to produce love. He wants to produce joy. And He wants to produce peace. Let me ask you this. If the Bible says that God has designed it so that the Spirit of the Lord lives in us and brings forth this fruit in our lives, love, the fact that we can love one another, don't have to agree with one another, but we can love one another. We don't have to always, um, sometimes we get mistreated by people. We still have to love them. Have to make up our mind, we're going to love them whatever they do. That's who we are as Christians. So the love is there. The joy is there. It's not contingent upon circumstances. It's something that is produced in us supernaturally by the Spirit of God. And then peace the same way. That's an awesome thing. But it can't happen without God. It can't happen as we try to manufacture those things. You know, you can strain and grind all you want to and try to produce love, joy, and peace. It'll never happen. It'll leave you empty. 
But when the Spirit of the Lord is working in your life, He produces these things and then we begin to act like Jesus would act and do what Jesus would do and be peacemakers and be the sons of God and people can recognize it. God's will for us is peace as it is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to look at Philippians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles... You want to turn there, you're welcome to. It's on this sheet. I want us to read it together, and then we're going to go back and work through it. You have it on your sheet. Would you read it aloud with me? All together, let's read this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely... Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, we'll look at that just a little closer in just a few moments. I'd like for you to notice as we begin that passage, it starts out with by, by talking about The fruit of the Spirit. Verse 4. We talked about that last week. How joy is a part of that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When are we supposed to rejoice? When your team wins. When everything goes well. When you don't have a pain in your body. All the time. Notice that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Used to sing a song that says... In the good times, praise His name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the King of kings all the thanks. So we praise the Lord. No matter how we're feeling, how things are going, whether it's a good day or a bad day, as far as circumstances go, we rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. That's what the Scripture says we're supposed to do. And then it says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Just a few weeks from now, we'll be talking about gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit. We'll deal with that later. The Lord is at hand. He's coming soon. We need to be diligent about doing these things the Lord's way is what he's saying to us now. But now notice the rest of this says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't let things get to you that you get so worked up about this thing and that thing or the other thing or your job or your finances or or your marriage or whatever. Don't worry about these things. Now, it didn't say don't be concerned about things. It's not saying this is not this is not on the level of stupidity. This is on the level of the supernatural that the Bible's telling us here. It says be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about things. Well, then what What then is your approach to life if you're not going to worry about things? 
Well, he goes on and tells us. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now, we've just looked at several different areas of prayer there. The Bible says, you have not, why? You have not because you ask not. You didn't ask God, you don't get it. That's what he said. You have not because you ask not. So we're encouraged in scripture to pray. He's our loving heavenly father. We're his children. He tells us to ask for what we need. You have not because you ask not. So the Bible says in, in, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. A lot of people think that prayer is just only asking. But prayer is not only asking. Prayer is sometimes saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings in my life. Wouldn't you get kind of irritated if, I started to say, if your children only ask for things all the time? That's kind of the way it works, isn't it, until they get a certain age. Mama, can I have this? Daddy, can I have this? They only ask. and But as they get older, they start saying, thanks, Dad. As we learn, as we mature, it's not only the, it's not only the request that we get, it's the thanks that we receive. Amen? And we appreciate that, don't we? And that's the way it is with our relationship with the Lord. We don't always ask. That's kind of rude, isn't it? Only to ask. Always asking. Always wanting something. And never going before the Lord and saying, Lord, thank you. I woke up this morning. And I could see, and I could hear, and I had a sound mind. And there's a lot of people that didn't wake up that way this morning. Some people didn't wake up at all this morning. Did you know that? And so when we wake up, we need to be um, acknowledging what the Lord has done for us and thank Him. So the Scripture says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, this speaks of a fellowship and a communion we have with the Lord. In case you didn't know by now, the Lord would like to hear from us on a daily basis. The Lord would like for you to talk to Him regularly. Now, let me say this about prayer too, because sometimes we don't get this part. Prayer and asking and thanking God for what we have and for asking for what we want, that's only one half of prayer. Huh? Yeah. You see, when you, prayer is a dialogue with God. True? We talk to God. And sometimes we fail to understand that God would like to talk to us too. How many times do you see this in churches all across America? Somebody will come down to the altar, they'll bow down, and they'll pray for about 90 seconds. And then they get up and immediately go their way. And wouldn't, wouldn't it make a lot more sense if we're going to take the time to ask God for something that we sit there long enough to hear him respond and, and speak to our hearts? You say, well, God won't talk to you. I beg your, uh, uh, he does. He will speak to us too. He'll bring scriptures to your mind. He'll speak to you through your spirit and in your heart. Yeah, we, we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that's 10 million miles away. We, we talk to him and he will talk to you. Now, those of you who don't understand what I'm saying, I have never in my life 
heard, as it were, God have a megaphone and said, Pastor Ron, I want you to do this. I've never heard that before. But in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, I've heard it many times. Where there was such an overwhelming, I could, I could sense, I could feel that this was what the Lord was saying. This was what the Lord wanted. And many of you have felt the same, right? That's the way it works. So when we talk to the Lord, we ask for things. We want things. Uh, we praise Him for things He's already done. And then sometimes if we'll stay away from Facebook long enough, He'll have the chance to speak to us when we're finished. Right? Or the radio or the TV or whatever. In other words, we have to, we have to free ourselves from the distractions sometime to, to commune with the Lord and fellowship with Him. You ever tried to talk, a, uh, talk to somebody, have a conversation with somebody, and maybe there was uh, another person around or a three-year-old around who just would, uh, you know, maybe it's a three-year-old, let's say that, and they're tugging at your pants leg. Daddy, 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 mama, 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 mama. And you can't even have a conversation with somebody because of that. <sighs> Can you imagine the Lord, if the, every time we go before him, all we do is ask? And that's all he hears from us. Gimme, 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 gimme. And the Lord must wonder, do, it, do they not acknowledge that I've blessed them and what I've done for them and what a sacrifice I've made already for them and, and they never acknowledge that and they never thank me for those things? The Lord wants to hear from us. That's why the Bible says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We thank the Lord for what he's done. We acknowledge what he's done. We, we ask him for what we need. And then we're sensitive enough to listen to him and give him time to speak to us. He might, he might do something like this. He might say, you know what? Um, I'd love to do this for you, but I got something I'd like for you to do for me too. I'd like for you to, let me give you an illustration. 30 plus years ago, one night the phone rings. As a pastor. And this guy calls me. And he says. I need you to come pray for me. He says. My back is killing me. I've got a kidney stone. I know that's what it is. My back is killing me. I feel like I'm going to die. Will you come pray for me? It's happened many times over the years. Pastors get those kinds of calls. Now here's what people do nowadays. They say. I don't want to bother you or anything. So. Could you just pray for me? Right? But the Bible says call for prayer. Call for the elders. It's hard to anoint people and pray for people over the phone. Lay hands on them. You know what I'm saying? So if we go back to the way we used to do it when we took things literally, this fellow called me and wanted prayer. So I got ready and I drove over to his house and I went in. Man, he was in a mess. He was moaning and groaning and hurting. He was almost out of his mind with pain. And I prayed for him, and he didn't get any relief, and I prayed for him again. And we didn't get in for three times. I prayed for him the third time. Nothing happened. And and he said, Pastor, just go ahead. I believe it will be okay. And so I got in the car, and I went home. The time I got home, that's before cell phones, guys. Phone rings when I get home, and he said, he said everything's fine. I said, what are you talking about? He said, everything's fine. My pain's gone. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, what happened? He said, well, the Lord spoke to me 
about my relationship with my wife and how I'd been treating her. And he said, he told me I needed to, I needed to make that right. And so he said he did that. And he said, as soon as he did that, that pain left him. See, the Lord will speak to you too. And sometimes he may have some things he wants you to do. I'll take that back. All the time he has things he wants you to do. He has ways he wants you to respond to his love. But if we're so busy with the things and our gadgets and all, we don't ever have time to hear from him. Every once in a while, we'll tell him something we want. We might even take the time to say, thank you, Lord, for the new car or whatever. But to actually, to, to have fellowship with God. I mean, you all understand that fellowship is different from relationship, right? Just this last couple of days, we had family members visit with us. My sister's daughter and her husband and family visited our family this past week. We see them once a year at most, usually. And they came in to visit. Just so happened, we saw them about a month ago at my nephew's graduation from medical school. It was a big deal for us and our family. We never have anybody. We never have a doctor in our family before. So we went to see Pierce graduate, so we got to spend time with him then. Here, 30 days later, they come and visit us. And I feel like I got to know them like I've never known them before. Because not only are we related, but two times in a month, we actually got to sit down and chat and fellowship and laugh and and actually get a fellowship is different from relationship. And the Lord wants us to have fellowship with him. The Lord wants us to have communion with him. The Lord wants us to talk to him and he wants to talk to us. I'll say it again. God is not a 10 million mile away God. God is a right here, right now God. And he loves us. And he wants that kind of relationship where we can talk to him and, and he can talk to us. Listen, living for God is real, folks. This, this, this last week I said that we have so dumbed down Christianity in America. Churches are full of people who don't even know God. And, and God wants a relationship with you. God wants fellowship with you. God wants communion with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to share with you. So this whole thing begins, notice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry about anything. Listen, how can you go through life not worrying about anything? Well, I'll tell you what. If you're in a in fellowship with the God who created the universe, what do you have to worry about? Now, if you're struggling through life by yourself and you're trying to handle all your problems yourself and do it your way and you're, you're on a dead-end street and you're not making any progress at all, I could understand why you'd sweat it. But when you understand that the God who spoke the sun into existence and the, and the moon and the earth and who created all these things, that same God is the one that you speak to and pray to. And he hears your prayer and he cares about you and he's, he, he's your loving heavenly father. And you know you have his ear and he hears your prayers and the Bible says he will answer our prayers and you have not because you ask not. That's going to change the way you, you live for God. You're going to, you're going to understand it's worth to take time to pray. It's worth the time to do this. Everything 
In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, you have fellowship with God. You're having communion with God. Anybody in here ever had fellowship with God? Say amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, having said that, what we're doing is examining scripture here. Having said that, you have fellowship with God. You have communion with God. You talk to God. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to your heart. You have this fellowship with God. And the Bible says if that's the case. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Several things I want to say about this. But first of all, notice that the Bible says the peace of God surpasses all understanding. How can a woman who's been married to a man for 60 years and loves that man with all of her heart. And he's in a coffin laid up at the front of the church in a casket. And she's sitting on the front row for the funeral service. And the choir begins to sing. And she has tears streaming down her cheeks and she stands up and raises her hand to the Lord and starts giving him glory and worshiping God in that church service. How can that happen? That's peace that passeth understanding. You can't understand that. How can God be that real? How can God care that much? How can God be so aware of what's going on in your life that he would so overwhelm a little lady like that with the peace of God at a time like that? That's the kind of God he is. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. You, you, can, have, you can have the worst day of your life and things not going well at all. But I'm going to tell you, if everything's right with God... Everything's okay. Amen. That's what the scripture says. And, and many of us have learned that. It doesn't mean we don't struggle and have hard times and difficulty. But he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Doesn't add up. It doesn't compute. That's because it's supernatural. And the Lord is producing that in your life. The love you could never love unless the spirit of God was doing that for you. You, the joy, you could never have that joy even in times, as First Peter would say, in times of persecution. When they're killing Christians. When they're, they're persecuting the saints. And he says, oh, I know, I know you're going through a trial of your faith. But he goes on to say, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even in times of persecution. That's how real this is, folks. Love and joy and peace. So this is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't compute intellectually because it's supernatural. And it's something that God gives to his children. But here's something that's, that's odd to me. If you'll look at this. It says, if you have this relationship with the Lord, this fellowship with the Lord, this communion with the Lord. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, to me, that's an odd, that's an odd statement because you might think it would say, if you guard your heart and mind, you can have the peace of God in your heart, right? In other words, if you think about the right things, then you can have the peace of God. That's not what it says. This says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That tells me this is supernatural. This is not something that's, listen, you've heard of the power of positive thinking. 
What we're talking about today with this, with this joy and this peace, this is not about the power of positive thinking. This is a supernatural work of God in your life that the Spirit of the Lord wants to produce. He wants to pro- Why are so many Christians frustrated and going nowhere in their walk with the Lord? Because they're trying to do it on their own. And there should be surrendering to the Spirit of the Lord who wants to have... The Lord has promised to produce in us love and joy and peace. And I'm going to share with you in a minute. We are sabotaging what the Spirit wants to do in us. We are undermining what the Lord wants to do in us by certain things we do. So what I want you to notice is the Bible did not say here in bold print. It did not say if you will guard your hearts and minds, then he will give you the peace of God. No, it said the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is something that the Lord has to do for us. Amen. After all, it is called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of yourself. Not you trying to do something. It's what the spirit does in you. Now, having said that, we talked about that a little bit last week, that this is both natural and supernatural. Don't have time to revisit that. You can go back and listen to that one to catch that element. But this is the supernatural element that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Lord is doing this for us. But then he says in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I want you to think with me just a minute. You've got that list right in front of you. I'm going to give you the opposite of that list, okay? I'm not going to give you that list. I'm going to give you the opposite of those things. Which is to say that if we think on these things that I'm about to give you, you're going to be in trouble. If you do things that the Bible says here, think about these things. If you'll think about things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and a good report. If you think about those things, you're going to be on good solid ground for good spiritual fruit. But if you think about these things I'm about to give you because I've compiled a list of the opposite of these things. So if you think on these things, you're going to be in trouble. If you are perpetuating half-truths or lies, that's the opposite of true. Think of the things that are true. Let's go to the other side. Half-truths or lies. How many have ever been lied about? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever lied about somebody else. Or repeated a lie or a half-truth. But a half-truth is nothing more than a lie. It's not true. So if we're spending our time, do you all understand what I'm getting at here? There is like a buzz that's going on. Anywhere you go, uh, underneath the surface, there's like a buzz. Facebook is the world's worst to perpetuate this junk. And there's this undercurrent going where people are saying things about people. Or, and and it's, it's based on half-truths. Things that really aren't true at all, but it's a representation of the way things are. 
And so the, the Bible says if we think on the things that are true, that'll be a great thing. But if we think on the opposite, that is half-truths or lies, it's going to get us into trouble. If we think on things that cause suspicion, things that are derogatory, things that are accusing, that's going to get us into trouble because the Bible says we should be thinking about things that are noble, which means are inspiring and honorable things. If we think about things that are unholy and unrighteous, we're going to get into trouble. Because the Bible says we should think about things that are just and righteous. Let me ask you this. Is there, is there a whole lot out there on social media as well as television and other places? Is the media full of unholy, unrighteous content? It is, isn't it? So if that's what we're feeding our minds... And if that's what we're thinking and talking about, it's going to get us into trouble as far as peace is concerned. Peace will evade us. Peace will run from us if we're feeding ourselves these things. Filthy, unclean, dirty things. The Bible says think on things that are pure. But if you're, on the other hand, thinking filthy, unclean, dirty things, that's going to keep us from having peace. If we produce or, or embrace contempt and animosity and disgust for people, any people, it's going to get us into trouble. We're going to lose our peace. The Bible tells us to think on things that are lovely. The opposite from that in the original would be the contempt and animosity and disgust and hatred. The Bible says we should think about things that are of a good report. The, the opposite would be a bad report, of course, a negative thing, tearing down instead of building up. Got to stay away from that. That'd get us into trouble. Virtue means excellence. The opposite of that would be problems and flaws and things that bug you, things that irritate you. That would get us in trouble. Do you get the idea there? That there's so many things, if that's what we think about, if that's what we talk about, if that's what we dwell on, it's going to sap every bit of peace out of your spirit. Again, I'm going to read that. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let me ask you this. Does it matter? No, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. It matters. It matters what you put in your gas tank on your car, doesn't it? If you take a hose that's hooked up to the right kind of pump and you pump gasoline in that tank, then that car should run pretty well. But if you take a water hose... And fill that tank from that hose, you're going to have problems. True? So it's not just important to put something in the tank. It's important what you put in the tank. So the Bible is telling us if we'll think about things that are true and lovely and honest of good report, we can have good results. But if you put those other things in, you're going to have trouble. 
And so what I'm saying to us is these things that God says we can have, these things he wants us to have in our lives, these things that the Bible says he will produce in us, we can sabotage the work of God in our lives by talking about these things. He says, don't meditate on these things. You know what meditate means, right? It implies spending some time, by the way. When you meditate, you're thinking about something for an extended period. Just because some thought goes to your mind. You know, when I was growing up, I used, I know y'all not going to believe this, but there's been times in my life when I've had an evil thought. Right? And I thought, whoa, where did that come from? And as visual as this culture is that we live in, there's going to be times when you see things you didn't plan to see. You didn't seek them out, but you saw them. Am I right? Okay. But that's not meditating on it. It's like somebody said, you, you can't help if a bird flies through your yard. But you can keep them from building a nest on your porch. All right. So you don't dwell on it. You just send it right on. All of us have seen things, right? However, the Bible tells us when you meditate, you dwell on something, you think about it, you chew on it. And the Bible says these things that are good and lovely and honest and of a good report. What are we supposed to do with those things? Chew on them. Spend our time thinking about those good things. Spend our time thinking about those things that, that are listed there. And if we will do that, if our musicians would come, if we will do those things, then things will work well in our lives. We'll have peace. But we can sabotage peace. We can undermine what the Spirit wants to do. Do you all understand what I'm trying to say? The Spirit wants to produce peace in us, but by our behavior and what we think about, we can undermine that. We can sabotage what the Spirit wants to do. See, He's not going to go against our will. Holy Spirit's not going to make you think about certain things. You have to choose. We have free will. And we have to learn to walk in love and joy and peace. He's producing that in us, and we have to cooperate with Him and what he's doing. So he says, don't meditate on these things, but meditate on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Notice that. If you'll think on the right things, the God of peace will be with you. I'll say again, sometimes we, we sabotage the work of God in our own lives. By the things we think about. Some things are not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. And they'll affect us negatively in a spiritual way. I'm going to read one verse of scripture and then we're going to sing an old hymn together. In Isaiah chapter 26, the scripture says this. Well, first of all, in verse 1, the Bible says, In that day this song will be sung. So Isaiah says this is a song. This is part of a song. And this song says... You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah or in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. 
I want you to listen. I want to read that again. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How is it that you can have peace in your life? Keep your mind on the Lord. Keep fellowship open between you and the Lord. Keep communion warm between you and the Lord. Keep the door open between you and the Lord. Stay in His Word. Pray. Don't be a stranger. Talk to Him. Love Him. Serve Him. Worship Him. And the God of peace will be with you. But if you walk a long ways away and you think about all kinds of things that you should not be thinking about, dwelling on them, meditating on them, listen, it may be how much you hate your neighbor. You are not going to have peace hating your neighbor. It may be harboring a grudge against somebody and not being willing to forgive them. You will never have peace as long as you won't forgive somebody who's offended you. See, the sad thing about that, sad thing about unforgiveness is it hurts you. It doesn't hurt the person that offended you. It keeps you in bondage. It keeps you from having peace. It keeps you from walking closely in fellowship with the Lord. It ruins things for you, not with them. So forgive that person and go on with life and have fellowship with God. And life will be a whole lot sweeter. Just let it go. Forgive them and let it go. Now, we're going to sing this old old hymn. If you would, please think about the words with me. Right where you're seated. Notice the words, please. Far away in the depths of my spirit today rolls a
Some have described the, the great need that we have as individuals, and every person has the same need. The Bible says we're all born sinners. True? There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it has been explained this way. I think it's very good. It's consistent with Scripture. And that is all of us have a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. A God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. That is to say that there's something in us that's empty. And everybody feels it. Everybody knows it. They don't know what belongs there, but they know there's an emptiness there. People try to fill that vacuum with all kinds of things. But it's there's only one thing that can fill it. Only one thing that can fill it. And that's the presence of God in your life. And when we surrender to God and He comes in and fills that vacuum in our lives, life begins to change. We begin to experience love. I told you a couple weeks ago about the young man who came and responded to an invitation years ago and got up and his testimony was, I just love everybody now. Just after praying and inviting the Lord into his life. It's life changing. We go through life struggling in so many different areas. And so, so many times all we need is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to live for him. And he begins to produce love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faith and meekness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives. So we're going to sing that. If you would stand with me. We'll sing that chorus just a couple of times. And if you're here today and you acknowledge somehow the Spirit of the Lord speaks to your heart today and says, You know what? You've got an empty place there. You've got a place that I would love to feel. If you kind of feel the Spirit of the Lord tugging at your heart today, I'm going to ask you just to step forward while we sing this. I'd love to pray with you. And give you the opportunity to invite the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, cleanse you of your sin, write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and begin to produce in you the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to sing this course twice. You'll have the opportunity to come while we sing. Peace, peace.
Lord, for your peace. Lord, I just want to thank you for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. There's not a person on this earth that I hate. As far as I know, I don't have an enemy, at least not on my side, because I love everybody. I've made a decision to do that, and you you give me the grace to stick with that. And I thank you, Lord, for the joy that exists in my heart and my life, and for the peace that is there. Indeed, it is a peace that passeth all understanding. Sometimes when things aren't going well, the peace is still there. And for that, we're thankful. Thankful, Lord, also that you illuminate your word to us today. You help us see and understand what you want to do in our lives. Lord, so as pastor of this church, I just make this declaration for us today, for this church. Lord, that we refuse to be a lukewarm church. Lord, we refuse to sit on the fence. We refuse to accept a dumbed down version of Christianity where lives are not changed and people remain the same. We refuse to, to um, accept the fact, Lord, that we're supposed to go through life living the same way we used to live. But we understand you call us to change. You call us to a place of surrender. You call us to a place where you work supernaturally in our lives to change us from who we used to be to who you want us to be by the grace of God. Thank you for that. We give you praise today. I pray a blessing over this congregation. Lord, if there's anybody here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, let your Holy Spirit work in their lives, open their eyes, help them to see their need of a Savior. Maybe in the quietness of their bedroom. Maybe taking a walk through the woods. Speak to their heart. Help them to realize they don't have to be in a church. Lord, they can be anywhere. They turn to you as you speak to their hearts. And commit their life to you. And you'll be there to say, yes, I love you. I forgive you. So minister, we pray. Have your way in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today at New Life Church. God bless.